video games were made to be played. Don't play yours? We know some people who will. We are Get Well Gamers, a charity who take your unwanted video games and consoles to give to children's hospitals and wards across the UK. Donating is super easy. Just head over to our website, getwellgamers.org.uk, to fill out our online donation form. You've played the hero, now be the hero. And welcome from the dream duo, Jess and Craig. Andy has had a better offer and ditched us this week. But fear not, as we have lots to unpack and discuss in this week's Pure Dead Gaming episode 113. No, one, as easy as ABC. Indeed. Not for you. No, not for me. Not so much. Um, we are going to discuss the fallout from the CME's decision to block Microsoft's acquisition acquisition of Activision Blizzard and off the back of recent releases we'll be discussing if we can trust day one releases. Redfall, we're looking at you. Craig, try to get us all this week and walk about mini golf VR and we will share the other games we've been playing as well. As always we'll take a look at the upcoming releases and latest news too. We are recording this episode on May the 2nd which Craig, do you know what day today is? Only because you pointed it out. I'm way too cool to have known ahead of time. It's Harry Potter day today, and when this podcast releases, which you may be listening to on this day, it's May the 4th, which is also Star Wars day. I do know that one just because I like the way it rhymes. Yes. May the 4th be with you. Yes, indeed. It's like someone with a stutter trying to say may the 4th be with you. Yes. And that does it for me. Okay. As always, you can check out all things Pure Dead Gaming over at puredeadgaming.com, including my recent review of Tin Hearts. Yes, a very fine one it was as well. Yes, thanks very much. And yeah, let's begin today's episode. What do you wish to talk about? Uh, lots of games. Mm. Lots of games, but that's not usually where we start. Not often. Uh, did you hear about the the fact that uh, PlayStation 5 controllers have been making babies. No. No. See, people often wrongly think of gamers as awkward individuals, right? The type that don't really relish human interaction. But PS5 controllers have been now used to make two successful babies. Right, you're going to have to elaborate on this further because clearly it's not a reproductive organism. So what are you talking about? <laughs> you're trying to say it's not an alien life form. Do you remember those little jelly things you got that were aliens that came in like a little, that were like in a little egg thing and you could make them have babies? No. It was like a 90s toy. You must remember them when they were like little jelly alien things. No. Right. If you're a 90s kid and you know what I'm talking about, hit me up. I need some backup here because... Jelly alien baby makers. Ah, yeah, uh-huh. they... Yeah. Right, get your, <laughs> get your write-ins for that one. But uh, no, what has happened is uh, the quote that I've pulled here is, a sperm-injecting robot 
has successfully fertilised human eggs with the operator using a PS5 controller to steer the small mechanised needle during infertile fertilisation IVF. Two healthy babies have thus far been born, making them the first humans in history to have been born after fertilisation through the use of automated technology. You have to imagine that they had to turn the dual sense feature off. Mm-hmm. Just in case that all got a bit too much for the the person involved. Yes. But yeah. So essentially they use the technology and the device to manoeuvre sperm. Essentially, is gaming that... is now creating babies. It's a bit, a bit much to stretch to that, I would say. I would say it's understated, if anything. Okay. Okay, great news. Cool. Interesting, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> what have you been up to? You had to leave the house again today. That must have been quite stressful for you. Not stressful. I'm just really tired. I just don't cope well with that. No. Effort, you know. Um, You're fine on a, a treadmill at your desk, but as soon as you have to sort of, I don't know, you're like a Wi-Fi signal. As soon as you sort of go out with the zone <laughs> you just start to kind of slowly power down yeah. until you curl up in a ball and then somebody has to pick you up and bring you home i think it's because when i leave the house it's for a purpose that maybe requires more brain input you know i have to think i have to listen i have to engage whereas at home i just do things on autopilot because i'm i'm good at what i do mm. so maybe that's what it is fair enough i'll, I'll give you that one uh, I was wondering, I never mentioned this to you beforehand, I forgot to put it in the notes, our, our showrunner, but you might have seen a tweet I put up earlier. I would like to, we obviously, we got rid of the bin and it wasn't meant to be gone forever. We said we'd bring it back as and when required. Now, For I, those of you who don't know what he's talking about, we used to have a feature called Get in the Bin where we would pick something or someone to go in the bin that we did not like that week. Therefore, yes. we said get in the bin to that thing. Well, yeah, but when it was a feature, everyone would write in what they hated that week and then we would choose one from a pool yes. of potentials. Uh, and so what we did at the end of the year was we got rid of it and we said we'd bring it back just when we had a slam dunk. It wouldn't be up for debate. It would just be, you're going in the fucking bin. Yeah, okay, do you have something this week? So I do, I do. This that? is the first time. I can't believe it's taken us the guts of four months, but... This has happened numerous times recently, but it happened again today. I was coming back from work at lunch and I'm taking stuff in from the driveway and this absolute ball bag goes by, right? And he must live around here because he's done it multiple times, but he just walks by with music playing on his phone, full bang. It's in his pocket, his phone, full bang. Right now, if this was just one isolated twat, I'd be like, fair enough. Maybe he has some difficulties, but it's a trend. I've seen numerous people doing it and it's just so fucking ignorant. It's people going, I want to express myself with my musical inclination. Everyone listen to my music. I mean, get in the fucking... (laughs) Been, and his music was shite and all I'm not defending by any means because I agree it's a bit silly but like in the 80s when they had boom boxes and shit is that not what they used to do back then as well 
Yeah. But then we got headphones, and so it now should not be a thing. I mean, just buy some headphones. Yeah. Or just have some fucking self-respect when you're walking down the street blasting whatever the fuck he was blasting. Was it a I, young I'm, person? Aye, uh, well, uh, 40 maybe. 40? Aye. Uh, oh, okay. So. Honestly, keep an ear out. He goes by here all the time. Okay. Don't know if he listens or not. I know who you are, if you are listening. <laughs> Oh, what a threat. <laughs> you've, you've been binned, mate. I want the song inserted as well. I want him in. He's fully going in. It's an official it's an official binning. Okay. Not happy about him at all. Actually, when I put that on Twitter, we got a lot of responses from people saying I and people that just have conversations on hands-free. Apparently that's happening a lot just now. And yeah, I would totally agree with that annoying. as well. Yeah. You know, like, I don't need to hear your fucking life story. Go yeah. away. Yeah, not sure where that trend just came from either, but yeah. It's just folk wanting to be noticed. That's the thing. I would never, ever go down the street blaring music in my pocket. But folk are doing it because they want to... Like, it's people trying to express themselves and be noticed. Like, you're a middle-aged man. <laughs> Piss off. Yeah. I was reading an article about older people. And by older people, I mean age 50 plus um so yeah it was, a, it was just an interesting arc, article that kind of got me thinking um and i was on some research that was done by the american association of retired persons so it's like a charitable kind of body that sort of dedicated to helping like enhancing the quality of life as we age getting uh, them extra pillows and that well <laughs> but yeah they, they were looking at how much gamers spend how like what devices they use, how often they play, their overall satisfaction with gaming, and the kind of range of diversity and their motivations and styles of play. So it was, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was quite an interesting read. But the study found that like forty five percent of people age fifty plus are gamers, which mm-hmm. I think we kind of knew ish. Um, but yeah, among these gamers, forty five percent said that they spend time gaming every day, and notably, which I, I thought was which I wouldn't have expected, but women lead the way in daily activity. So there was 52% female play every day versus 37% of men. Interesting. Which doesn't add up to 100, so I'm not sure. Who the, oh, never mind. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what a lot of cats playing. lot of cats. Um, seven in 10, so 69% of older ga- gamers that games weren't designed with them in mind and that's what I wanted to just... Aye, because you're ancient. Well, yeah, but then, I don't know, like, the majority of game developers do tend to focus on, like, younger audiences who are seen as more likely to purchase games and spend money on, like, microtransactions and things like that, but, um, I don't know. It must be so easy. I, I would be interested to see the breakdown on age ranges with microtransactions though because microtransactions I'm not saying they're obviously you've got like a FIFA and stuff like that which is absolutely huge I'm not taking away from that and it's one of the first things you would think of but microtransactions are heavily leaned towards mobile gaming Mm -hmm. and you'll have a lot of elderly people that do mobile gaming and so I think a lot of the money will be coming from them because if you're sitting in your retirement home and you're like, oh, a pound a day to play Candy Crush or whatever, and they'll just do it. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, a lot of the popular games, I think, with older people are, like, puzzle games or kind of simulations games. And you're mm-hmm. right, a lot of them will be mobile. But I don't know, I just, like, 
I don't know. I think the like older players are very much a growing demographic, and I think developers. I mean, hopefully they are kind of beginning to recognise and sort of create games that maybe do cater to an older audience. I think they will. Like I remember seeing a thing. Don't, I don't know if it was in what you posted, sorry if I'm, if I'm burying your lead here, but um, seeing a thing that the average age of, it was a certain, it was like, I don't think it was, it wasn't just the average age of a gamer, it was like the average age of like maybe a male or female gamer in the US. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, this is all USD. I just aye, so I'm not sure, I'm not saying this is gaming as a, like a worldwide statistic, mm. but it was, I think it was like females in the US, but every year the average age of a gamer in the US female goes up by one. Mm-hmm. So that it's raising as we all get older. Yeah. And it's because, like, I don't know, I mean, the, the NES launched in 1985. That's the year I was born. Like, I don't know, you see people on Twitter and stuff like that sometimes being like, oh, what age do you think you'll grow out of gaming? I don't think you do grow out of gaming. No, I don't think and why so. the fuck would you grow out of gaming? It's not... I don't know. Like it, that, that's it, my... it's a growing medium. It's an interactive medium. It's films and TV shows, but you get to have more of a sort of license in the outcome. Like, there's no reason why you. Sh- I mean, maybe at some point you do like get old and your reflexes are just so bad that you're like, I can, I'm getting too frustrated with this. But there's no reason why you'd be like, oh, I've grown out of gaming. Some people do. Some people grow out of it. Like some people grow out of watching football or they grow out of watching the soaps. Like it happens, but it's not going to happen. It's not a, a trend just because people get older, they'll stop gaming. No, I agree. But equally, I don't know, my concern is like what they're saying, like older people are feeling like the games aren't made for them. And well, as we get older, will we start to feel a bit like that? Or do you think because we are probably at that peak age of like will it grow with us do you know what i mean i don't think i think it'll be okay for us because i think with a lot of maybe older gamers they didn't have this sort of like hyper violence in their games when they were younger and so they're maybe more adverse to that and so the way i'm not saying all games are violent but a lot of them are Mm. very few games you don't get a gun um and i think like at this point, games are going to get better, but I think we've seen the sort of, not the full breadth, but I think we've seen a lot of what you're going to get going forward. So, yeah, there will be, oh, I don't like RTS games or I don't like racing games or whatever, but I don't know. I think if you're a gamer just now and you have a fair few genres that you like, I think those genres are always going to be about... Yeah, probably. But it was just, I don't know, I thought it was an interesting article. What could happen is, obviously, as VR, it's been slower to sort of gain a, a massive foothold in gaming. It's still quite niche at the moment. I think it will continue to grow, but it's obviously been a little bit slower uh, to sort of, uh, for people to adopt than what was expected. Obviously, partly due to the price and stuff like that as well. But I could see a scenario in 20 years where some of the biggest games are quite taxing on you physically. Mm. And so, yeah, we wouldn't be able to play those. But not all games will be like that. Like, you've got, like, there's a... Obviously, at the moment, with most VR games, you can play seated or standing. But there's experiences around the UK just now. There's actually a Far Cry VR game 
and it's not available in any home system, but you can go to like a, it's like a warehouse and play it. And it has one of those 360 degree treadmills. Yeah. And you put it on and you actually have to run and walk and dodge and roll and all this sort of stuff. Um, and I could see stuff like that becoming bigger. It's obviously not going to, it's not going to have fucking ready player one in the room, but I could see that it being more physical mm. and yeah, at 55, I'm going to be lucky to be able to get, up, get up and down for a piss, <laughs> let alone do yeah. a fucking handstand and shoot somebody. But, uh, but no, I think there'll always be, I think there'll always be games for us. I hope. Yeah, me too. Don't want to live in that fucking world. <laughs> but we do live in a world where there has been a Gran Turismo trailer drop. Yeah. What do you think? So, yeah, I remember we saw like the teaser trailer and we sort of mocked it because we're like, oh, it's going to be a rags to riches story and he's going to be a rookie and start. But I didn't actually realise the story was based off, like based on a true story. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it's, um, Jan Mard- Mardenbra, I think is his name. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't realise the story was kind of based around him, and it actually. So yeah, the, the kind of story is obviously he's a racing driver, and he compete competed in the GT Academy competition, which you got to drive for Nissan at um, some race in Dubai, and then obviously the guy kind of went on to do stuff in Formula Three and the GP three and gp2 series so yeah it's i think it will be a good film um because there i don't know there is truth to the story and it's not just too far-fetched if you know what i mean but obviously it will be you know oh it's gonna be dramatized it's gonna be embellished and dramatized like but you have to do that uh i thought i thought the trailer looked pretty good Mm. Always good when you can put one of Nas's best songs in the trailer as well. That helps. That helps any situation go further along. But yeah, I think it'll be all right. Yeah, um, it hits theatres in August. So yeah, there's not a specific date, is there? It's just August at the moment. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. But we will attempt to cover it in our gaming movie review, as we like to do. Well, I mean, as we have said now numerous times, we have single-handedly. <laughs> taken the gaming movie division on our backs and dragged it through the fucking Sahara Desert and we've come out the other side and now the entire world is getting to reap the benefits of the likes of the Mario movie Uncharted The Last of Us TV show now this more to come in the news and so I don't know, I just hope that one day we get the credit we deserve for that. Well, yes. Because it's it's required, I would say. And I like David Harbour. He's really good. He's the main guy from uh, Netflix show with oddities. Stranger Things. Mm. Well, I like Orlando Bloom, so... Yep, he's in it as well. It's a good cast. Yeah. It is a good cast. So yeah, I'm expecting good things from that. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we won't have to wait too long to see it. Speaking of winning races, I appear to now be the number one Xbox achievement hunter 
three months out of four for 2023. <laughs> Only, to be fair, because I highlighted to you that it was the 30th of April and it was a Sunday night and I thought, you've got two hours, Craig, and now you're probably not a leader- leaderboard because I know you've not even touched your Xbox. So It was an absolute assist. <laughs> yep, an absolute assist for you. Um, yeah, because I hadn't... I'd, for those unaware, I had uh, rocked it January and February, let it slip in March... And then I was on course to let it slip again in April. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, my, my gaming time is dictated by, oftentimes dictated by what platform codes come through for. And so I was, this April had been a heavy PlayStation month, mm-hmm. aside from Redfall, which we'll go into later. And the achievements for that weren't even live in the system. So I was popping some, but I had no idea like what to do to get more or what was any of the requirements were so yeah about 10 o'clock on sunday just before we stuck on a film you pointed out by the way 30th of april how how are you going on your achievements so i had a look and see to be fair everyone had a shocker of a month a yeah it's interesting of a isn't month. it the, the lack of i suppose i think yeah. it's just because <laughs> there hasn't been that much out like yeah, yeah i mean back in january and February. I mean, I think I, I think I've just managed to win with like thirteen thousand achievements or something like that. Like I was sitting with just over a thousand, and I was sitting in like sixth place. And I saw Alex is my main competition. Alex from the cross players. Uh, no one else is is willing to to stoop to the level of <laughs> of competing. <laughs> but Alex is a good sport and humours me. Uh, humours my my childishness and yeah he's obviously been uh, body deep in PSVR and so he's letting his guard down but he was winning he was ahead and I was like nah not having this so as I had said last week uh, zombie survivors the truck game Mm -hmm. it had a 2000G update so I loaded that up popped that and then there's a game called Rabio that had also had another thousand G added. So I quickly banged that out in three or four minutes. Got top spot and yeah, just so I dusted my hands off and, and let it be known that I was the champ champ. <laughs> so three out of four months, happy with that. Keep my lead. I've been very I've been I've taken it my stride. Yeah, I can imagine. Very like you. Sticking with Xbox then, let's talk about Xbox slash Activision, shall we? So, in case you missed it, the UK Competition and Markets Authority blocked Microsoft's acquisition of the Activision Blizzard on the 26th of April. The CMA cited concerns over competition in the small but fast-growing cloud gaming market as the reason for their decision. Microsoft and Activision, of course, immediately pledged to appeal the ruling. Um, so, yeah, this decision... It's kind of had quite significant implications for both companies and the gaming industry as a whole. And obviously the acquisition would have created one of the largest game companies in the world. We discussed the topic. I say we, I wasn't involved, but the topic was discussed in depth in our most recent Afterlife episode at the end of last week. So go check that out if you haven't and want to kind of know more about it. But obviously we just, I suppose we could not mention it this week because um, it was the biggest news story of last week. Yeah, the news sort of broke just not long after our recording last week and we would have recorded a cut in, but obviously with the afterlife coming out the day after, so it just seemed easier to 
to let it flow that way, but we can't not mention it. There's been a lot, there's been a lot of to and fro, and fanboys have been wading in, left, right, and centre. And yeah, I just did it come as a shock to you? Because I think you have quite often said in the past, and they could probably pull some quotes from previous episodes that you always thought that it probably would go through because so many folks stand to make so much money from it. Like, do you still kind of stand by that? And do you think that? I don't know, this is just a hurdle and it'll go I, through? I think there's less than 50% chance it goes through now. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's dead yet, but I think it's it's down about 20% and I think it's close to being dead. Like we said on Afterlife, I think if it gets blocked by the EU, then it's probably down the tubes. Yeah, because I mean, so far, like South Africa, Japan, Chile, Brazil, Saudi Arabia and Serbia have all approved it. Ukraine as well the other day. Okay, sorry, I must have wanted my list. Um, you think they'd be busier, but apparently not. Um, so yeah, like, but they are, I suppose, small in comparison to the main consumer markets. Yeah, yeah, yeah they need the big hitters. They need the big hitters on board. And yeah, I, so, I mean, yeah, quotes can be pulled. Like, my thoughts always were the decision will be made on who the decision will be made based on whose pockets are able to be lined. Mm. Like, we're being naive here if we don't think that people are in it for the money. I had thought that people would throw their arms up in the air, cause a fuss, they would get concessions, and then they would be happy with that. Not all monetary, but different concessions. And things would go through. But... I think what a lot of people, myself included, failed to realise was that there could be more money long-term in the opposite outcome. And also, there's not... There's never been a dealing game in this size. Mm -hmm. And so... Deals like this in a smaller scale in the past have always ended up going through. So there was every reason to believe that this one would as well. And... It is a little bit of a shock that this is the time that it's been like, right now we're putting our foot down. Like now we're growing a backbone. Now we're... Because to me, a lot of other deals should have been stopped as well. I mean, there's been there's been mergers, not just in gaming, but all over the place. There's mergers going on all the time, like big companies merging together to just create unstoppable forces. And it shouldn't be allowed. Like it, it It's just... It's consolidation, which is never good long term for consumers. It gives less choice, it backs people into corners, it forces people to deal with certain companies, it blocks out choice. Mm. And um it's interesting, I feel that like it was cloud gaming that the CMA has decided is the issue. Like I'm not saying they're wrong, like the the things they outlined I thought were fair enough. They think Microsoft own a large part of the sort of market share in cloud gaming as it is, and if they were to purchase this, then it could be it's such an emerging market that it's it would sort of kneecap anyone from competing from the outset. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a fair enough point. Um but I, I do find it interesting that for all of Sony and like Jim Ryan's little flights around the world campaigning and we just want to block your deal i don't want a call of duty deal i just don't want you to have it and all this sort of stuff like the cma essentially said 
we don't care about any of that. That's not like none of Sony's concerns were really taken into consideration. No. It was all this is the issue. And so Sony got their way, but they got it in a roundabout way, which I thought was quite interesting. Or they have so far, certainly. Like I say, it's it's not a a dead deal, but but yeah, it's it's mad. It's 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 going to be talked about this deal in years to come, years and years to come. Like there's a three billion dollar like kill agreement on this yeah so if 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 the whole thing doesn't happen then microsoft still have to pay activision yeah three billion which is almost what sony paid for bungie yeah which is mental (laughs) i mean two weeks ago tom warren who i think it's the verge he's with but he's quite a big xbox guy he's maybe actually on no i think it's the verge but um Big Xbox guy, anyway, he'd posted a video. Microsoft were running ads, digital ads, in London subways promoting Call of Duty on Game Pass. They just went ahead and been like, oh, you can, you're this fall or whatever, you'll get Call of Duty on Game Pass. Running ads in London. How fucking stupid do you look at doing that? Like, just calm your tits. What are you doing? We do have a couple of questions, which I'll read out. So Chris first up says, will this deal stretching on continue to affect PlayStation holding conferences and properly showcasing games and showcasing their roadmap? I don't think so. If that was what was happening, which I think it maybe had, a, I think it did have something to do with it, but I think it was maybe less than what people think. I think they sort of, the sort of opinion at the moment is that Sony didn't want to say anything because they thought it might harm this that their stance in this deal. And I think it had every bit to do with they're just not ready to say anything about the games they've got upcoming mm-hmm. uh, outside of maybe Spider-Man. But they were like, we want to do a big conference, which I do think is coming quite soon. But no, I mean, the CMA has basically dismissed PlayStation's concerns. So... I don't think they now need to be worried about that at all. I think they can go ahead and showcase whatever they want because Microsoft's going to be taken down. It's, it's more Google that's that seems to have got their way sort of thing. That seems to have... Because it seems, it seems like in the background they have had the biggest sort of impact on the, the cloud gaming argument. And so I, I think PlayStation are free to sort of announce whatever they want. Um, Harry also said I can't help but feel Microsoft's reaction to this will be to spend what do the team think might be the first to get picked up it's definitely going to be they're definitely going to spend I've said in fact we'll we'll pull in Ali's question as well here if you want to read that out because they're kind of similar but yeah, so Ali said, Craig, you said in the past that if this deal got blocked, Microsoft could try and use their financial muscle to harm Sony. Do you th- still think this is possible or will the focus still be on getting the deal over the line? So yeah, those kind of two questions tie into each other. I think if this deal doesn't go through, Microsoft have that money sitting. And I think... Do they? Aye, there are very very, very rich. I mean, Microsoft could have spent that money on Activision 
and it not really affect their bank balance. <laughs> like they are insanely rich. Xbox isn't exactly insanely profitable, but Microsoft could Microsoft would be if they wanted to could take the hit on Xbox until the year fucking four thousand. Do you know what I mean? It's mm. it's just depends what they see value in and if they want to do it. I th- I think they will. I think if this deal doesn't go through, they will go on a spending spree. The thing that makes the most sense to me is Embracer Group. They have been buying up. So we spoke about them a lot last year. They mm-hmm. bought Tomb Raider, like they bought Square Enix, the sort of Western arm of Square Enix. And they own about, it's over 100 IPs and a lot of studios. Smaller studios, but a lot of studios. And to me, that suits the Game Pass model perfectly because mm. I can't remember the exact number, but Embracer had did like a conference call and they said they had like, I don't know, some mad amount of games that they were going to release between now and I think it was the end of 2025. And if you worked it out, it was like two games a month or three games a month between now and then. Like that's the type of thing I think that will be very enticing to Microsoft because they're looking to build a subscription service and a lot of these games are AA rather than AAA, they're sort of smaller games but they're games with IP that have cachet and so buying them I think would be a good thing to really bolster Game Pass. Yeah, it's constantly giving you kind of new content yeah. I suppose. So yeah. and, I don't, and I think I don't think they're necessarily embracer or necessarily cash rich. Like they've got, they did a lot of funding to buy what they've bought, and so then, so they've got a lot of investors. And so if Microsoft come in and went right, this is how much you've paid for all these studios you've bought, we'll give you three times that. Then all of a sudden, all the investors are getting three times back what they made, what they put in. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like it's a deal that could make a lot of sense for everyone involved. Um, and in terms of what Ali said, like I've said before on this podcast, I don't know what's worse for Sony if the Activision deal goes through or it doesn't. Because let's say for argument's sake now, it doesn't go through. Activision have made it clear that they are not happy mm. <laughs> at all with this not going through. Whether Sony's concerns were heard properly or not, they have been a real thorn in the side. The Call of Duty deal is up, I think, next year. They, like the marketing rights. Mm-hmm. If I was Microsoft, I'd be like, we are getting those marketing rights. Mm-hmm. Call of Duty will be aligned with Xbox. It'll still be on PlayStation, but it'll be aligned with Xbox. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And they'll just offer more money. I heard a few people saying, ah, but PlayStation's the dominant brand. Activision will want to be aligned with the dominant brand. Activision will take where the money is. Yeah. And so I would not shock me at all for come next year or come when, I can't remember the exact date of when that marketing deals up that all of a sudden it's back and it's every time you see a Call of Duty advert it's got an Xbox controller on it. And I think that could hurt PlayStation as well. But yeah, very interesting. I mean, it's gonna be, it's gonna sort of carry on. It should be about. I think it's like next sometime this month that we hear about the EU. So there'll be more news then that we f- sort of struggle to understand. <laughs> yeah. But we'll bumble our way through it regardless. Yes, indeed. 
Okay, let's leave that there for now then and turn to the biggest releases that are coming out this week. Um, so I'll just run through my little list. So first up we have Redfall. Never heard of it. May the 2nd on Xbox. Um, I'm just going to leave this one here just now and not mention too much about it because we'll come on to that during what we've been playing. Yeah, I've got a wee bit to say. Yeah, just a wee bit. Uh, Age of Wonders 4, that's also May the 2nd on PC, PlayStation and Xbox. So you can rule a fantasy realm of your own design. Explore magical new realms in Age of Wonders' signature blend of 4X strategy and turn-based tactical combat. I had never heard of this franchise at all, but apparently it's really good. Uh, I think the third game came out in 2014, so it's been a long wait for fans. And yeah, by all accounts, I think people are quite excited for this. So when I looked up on YouTube, there was lots of videos of, oh, this game has taken over my life and all this sort of thing. So, And we also have Ravenlock on May the 4th on Xbox and PC. So it's an indie action role-playing game developed and published by Coco Cucumber. The game follows a young girl named Ravenlock who finds herself pulled away from reality and into a fantasy land cursed by an evil caterpillar queen. I don't know too much about this game. This is Game Pass as well. So it's out the day this podcast launches and people are quite excited about it. There's a lot of sort of positive buzz around it and it looks like it might be quite good. I don't know that it's necessarily going to be my type of thing, but it's definitely one to keep an eye on, especially if you have Game Pass. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to... There's another two written down here, but they are... Easy Platinum slash 1000G one, so I'm yeah, not, not going to entertain them. <laughs> yeah, I just made a wee note, because there's not... I mean, those three releases that we just mentioned are big releases, but there wasn't the sort of volume of big releases this week. And so Weeping Willow is a detective mm-hmm. visual novel. Uh, it takes place in the small town of Wiedendorf during the quarantine of the plague. Topical. Uh, How's it topical? Quarantine, plague. It's basically a pandemic. <laughs> uh, and so I actually have the platinum in this already. We got a code through last week. Um, and as far as easy platinums slash 1000 Gs go, you, you can't really get easier. It is just a storybook. So all you have to do is press X to go through the the dialogue by all accounts the story's quite good i was in it for for the platinum and so in the settings you can change it to auto skip so then you you only have to press x once and then you just what's the point and then you just wait two minutes until it all scrolls through what's the point digital trophies (laughs) but you earned nothing see when i walked in see when i walked down the street people are like "Ah, that's that guy See how many platinums that guy's got. That's what they say. Oh, okay. Usually I'm blasting music at the time really <laughs> loud, so so I can't hear them saying it, but I see them looking. I see them looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, yeah, so that's available now. And there's another game called Colour Pals, which I looked up on YouTube and it actually looks quite fun. So you're like a little blob and it's a 2D platformer different parts of the world are different colours and so you have to like manoeuvre around from colour to colour to make it through the level. Looks like maybe like a 
I don't know, maybe a half an hour platinum slash 1000G. Okay. And it looks, looks quite fun. I haven't played this one yet, but I think it's worth checking out. And it's only going to be a fiver or something like that. So if you're looking for something to sort of break up your time between the numerous large releases at the moment, then that might be worth taking a wee look at. Okay, thank you. Um, I also have a couple of deals of the week for you. Um, as I mentioned, it's May the 4th, so it's Star Wars Day, and on Xbox they are, they've dropped some prices on lots of Star Wars related games, so quite a lot of the Lego ones are all reduced. Uh, Pinball, Star Wars, the Battlefront games, Force Unleashed 1 and 2, they're both into 2 So go check that out if you're a Star Wars fan. Um, Dredge, one of your favourites, Craig. Ooh. $22.99. It's down to at hit.com. That's awesome. Get on it. And another one I found was Mortal Phoenix Rising, which is down to $7.39 on PS5. Everyone I've heard talk about that game says it's really good. Yeah, so, if Andy was here, I'm sure he would. Yeah, he played it. He, played, uh, he it. played it a few months back, really enjoyed it. It looks really nice. Some you'd actually maybe like. Mm. Um, really, really nice art style. And they're supposed to be, as far as I remember, making a second game as well. This one didn't sell particularly well, but it came out at a bad time. Yeah, it was like pandemic. Ah, right pandemic. around about cyberpunk and stuff like that as well. A lot of big releases. And so it did sort of get passed over. But it's one of these ones that you you now hear every couple of months someone going, oh, I picked up that Immortals game. It's actually really good. So, yeah, Ubisoft, good to see that they're not abandoning it. So good time to maybe pick up and play it before the second one gets announced and comes out. Yeah, I'll drop some links in the show notes if you want to check them out. So. Lovely jovely. Good. Um, okay, moving on. A little topic for discussion. So in recent years, it has sort of become more and more common for video games to be released with numerous bugs and glitches that can quite significantly impact the player's experience. And this is due, I suppose, in part to the increasing complexity of modern games as well as the the pressure that, I guess, is put uh, on a set schedule to kind of meet financial targets and whatnot. So obviously one example was Cyberpunk 2077, which also was released 2020, to much anticipation but was riddled with bugs and glitches that made the game nearly unplayable on some platforms and obviously led to widespread criticism and refunds as well as delays in like the games released on other platforms um some other examples battlefield like star wars and redfall which is probably the most recent example so yeah we thought we'd just have a little discussion and kind of ask ourselves the question i guess of you know can we trust day one releases it's certainly becoming difficult Hmm. i would say not everything not everything comes out buggy. Um, we've had recent examples on both sides of the fence as well, like the Burning Shores DLC for Horizon. I know it's just a DLC, but it was a substantial DLC, and by all accounts that I heard, that ran really well. Hi-Fi Rush came out for Xbox beginning of the year, performed and ran really well. So it's it's not every release, but it's a shocking number of releases. And it is getting to the point where I think a lot of people must be like, what am I doing? Why Why am I biting day one? Why am I not waiting and seeing what the situation is after launch? And I think like, 
Star Wars is a particularly good example because obviously I'll get into my thoughts during what we've been playing, but reviews for that game came out, I think it was three days before launch, three, four days before launch. Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Jedi Survivor, yeah. Um, Sitting at 86 on Metacritic, phenomenal score, everyone raving about it, absolutely brilliant. YouTube videos, everything and you could ever want in a Star Wars sequel. Everyone's like, ah, fucking yes, let's go. Game comes out and it's very buggy. It borderline does not run on PC. I think I mean, it's getting... Yeah, they've came out with statements, you know, apologising yeah. and stuff already. So. Yeah, I've not been on the Discord really today. Um, Tam and Couchy are both playing it on PC and I did see, I think it was Couchy had the comment saying that it's actually working much better for him now. So I think there is patches that are that are making a difference pretty quickly. Um, and I haven't played in PC myself, so I can't really comment. It's just what I see in passing from others. But people are having problems left and right. PlayStation, the PlayStation 5 version seems to be the one that is running best. But I know that Donnie is playing on PlayStation 5 and like he's enjoying the game, but he's just saying, I, I can't believe that the state it's in. Like dropping frames constantly, screen tearing, um, a lot of bloodiness, um, and so it's difficult because with a lot of games, Redfall is an example. The embargo is when the game launches, and so there's no prior notice, and so on that occasion, you would be like, right, wait till you hear see reviews. Do not pre-order. I know it's Game Pass, but mm-hmm. I'm just using an example. Do not pre-order, wait and see for reviews, and then see if you want. But with Jedi Survivor, the reviews came out, and the performance was completely ignored. Like, I refuse to believe that the performance was fine for all the reviewers. I know some people mentioned it, and there is such a thing as a game being so good that minor hiccups don't affect your score but i don't know like you look at twitter and people are not happy like they're saying jedi survival is a great game but they're not happy with the performance of it and i just i don't know how can it be so different with reviewers and then with people when it comes out it's not like the day one patch has made it worse mm-hmm. you had pc gamer gave it an 8 out of 10 and then they released an article the day after it came out talking about how the quality of the port was unacceptable and it went viral because people were replying saying, you gave it a fucking 8 out of 10? Mm. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a good look. And so yeah, I feel like we are getting to a point where maybe we do have to wait, be a more patient fan base. But then... I don't know. What are you waiting for? You don't know how long to wait. You don't know how, like, I don't know, like, it's highly unlikely that video games will ever be be completely free of bugs or glitches. Like, that's just not going to happen. Game development is a very complex process that involves, like, integration of multiple systems, mechanics, features, often across multiple platforms and hardware configurations. And so the complexity inevitably creates opportunities for bugs to creep in and the code to cause, like, unexpected behaviour and crashes. And so 
as games have become more complex and more ambitious with larger worlds, more advanced AI, more detailed graphics, like the potential for bugs, oh, like it, it's just naturally increased. And so it, it's a constant balancing act between kind of pushing the limits of what's possible with the technology and then ensuring that the game's stable and functional. And we're just, we're not quite there yet. <laughs> it multiplies, yeah. Every time a game gets more complex, there's so much more scope for something to go wrong but but yeah the the frequency and severity of bugs can be reduced through testing quality assurance and i think that's that's where there's a bit of a gap still at the moment for a lot of these games like developers can probably also take steps to kind of be just a bit more transparent about the state of the game at launch i think that would maybe satisfy more consumers like i know that a lot of them do do maybe pre-release demos or early access programs already that allow players to test the game before it's fully released but i don't know and that does also kind of sometimes lead to negativity as well so it's just i don't know i suppose i just think ultimately it's up to you if you if you decide you want to trust a day one release or wait for a patch and updates to, to any issues that may arise and i don't know it's just there was talk recently, so obviously you've got QA testers and I sympathise with them. Their job, as these games get more complex, is getting harder and harder and harder. And these people are having to spend their whole day trying to basically break a game and try and find bugs. And these days, I don't know, like... Not that this happened all the time, but like back in the sort of SNES era, like sometimes you'd have a bug and it would be, this is a known bug. If you go here and you jump here, you'll go through the world, something mm-hmm. like that. And it would happen for everybody. A lot of the time now, like everyone's getting different things. Like I'll get into it obviously more when I talk about Jedi Survivor, but it's ran fine for me so far. I'm only about an hour in, mm-hmm. but... I'm not having any screen turn. I've had frame rate drops a couple of times, but it's not really been noticeable. And the blurriness that I know a lot of people are getting so far, I haven't got. I'm sure, like, once I get further in, maybe I will. But a lot of people, like, these days, a lot of bugs are, they're temperamental. So... Like someone will play and they'll go, oh God, look, I walked up to this tree and that fuck, look at the fucking state of that tree. But then somebody else walks up and that fucking tree's fine. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And it's so, there's so many variables that in different situations, people are getting different bugs and it makes it so much harder to test for, I presume. And so I know that recently there was talk of using AI to bug test games because it would be able to do it obviously much faster and much more accurately. And it's a difficult one because QA testing is something that's obviously been in the industry for years since day one and there's a lot of people that earn a living that way and it's hard to believe that AI wouldn't do a better job because it removes the sort of human component but it would also put a lot of people out of work (laughs) and so... I don't know. I'm sure there was a studio that were going to... I'm sure we had this in the news. It was maybe last year, but um, there was a studio that were going to move on to using AI for for testing and they were going to see how it, how it worked and how if it worked better. And my inclination is that it will. Um, 
But I suppose perhaps as games get more complex, it might be required. Yeah. But I mean, there's a very good chance that during like QA, like a lot of the bugs that have ended up, you know, at the release game, like have been known, but it's just the capacity's not there to delve deeper and find out the root cause or build the patch that's needed. I think that that's a huge component of it as well. Like I said earlier, like the sort of schedule of release, like that the, they're, they're the deadlines. And mm-hmm. if you can't meet it, something's got to be, be missed out probably. Um, yeah, which will segue us later perfectly into Redfall. <laughs> and also the co- like post-release, like, how much does it cost to continue working on the game to be fix, fixing it? Do you know Depends. what I mean? I mean and, do, it, you know, I guess the success of the game will dictate the potential spend they have to do that. Yeah, how much of the team remains fixing bugs, creating quality of life patches, whereas how many are moving on to the next project. Yeah. And a, a lot of the time that does depend on how well the game's doing. And so it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy because if you put a game, maybe Redfall, and because it's buggy, it doesn't have the player base and the players bounce, then all of a sudden you don't necessarily have as much of an inclination to spend as much time fixing it. Mm. But... (sighs) What are you supposed to... I don't know. Exactly. I mean, you said, oh, do you wait? But I'm like, but... How long could you, be, could you be waiting? I think part of the issue is that as games are becoming more complex, at the moment, I don't think there's enough consideration put into, right, well, this is going to take more time to make. And I think that's an issue. Again, Jedi Survivor. They've turned that game around in three years, which is really impressive. Mm -hmm. And there's members of the team that have done interviews recently basically boasting, look, we turned this game around in three years. And it comes out and you're like, "Ah, well, maybe you should have spent six more months. And then it would have ran better. Mm -hmm. You've got the heads of Xbox, the heads of PlayStation that are needing these games they need this content they want a steady flow of games on their device and you've got shareholders that want games released so that they can get money back and it's really difficult i think to get a game to give a game the time it needs like i I think we're still possibly at that point where like Five years ago, a game took four years to develop. and But now we've moved on to a new generation of hardware. It's We're expecting ray tracing, 4K visuals. Everything needs to be 60 FPS. But the publishers are still like, I but still four years, I. And it's like, well, no, I'm sorry, but now it's probably five or six. And maybe that just needs to catch up so that these games can come out in a state that is acceptable yeah because i mean we've all invested well not all but like we've invested in the new the new pieces of hardware that have you know the, the next gen consoles that 
I suppose developers were like, yeah, we need this to make things be better. And yet here we are with potentially worse issues in some cases. Yeah, I mean, certainly with Cyberpunk, we know what I was just saying there was a a large issue. Like, it was like, no, this game has to come out. Mm -hmm. And they knew it wasn't ready. I would very much argue the same for Redfall, which we'll talk about, obviously, more in depth. But yeah, we got some questions in about this. Yeah, Baz said, A failed launch is usually a killer for any game. Fallout 76 was atrocious at launch. Crashed more often than Aunt McPartland on a night out. I gave up after a week and whilst it's supposedly much better now, I haven't gone back to it. I now wait for the reviews. Not played Cyberpunk for similar reasons, but have an inkling to try it now. Yeah, Fallout 76 was a bad one. Aye. I think you'd be fine with Cyberpunk now. Like people had, that was one where people had varying experiences. I actually got a tweet, and I mean, I've obviously been a big defender of cyberpunk just because that was my experience. Mm-hmm. Like, I can only go with the experience I had. But I was talking about bugs in games. This was before Redfall. I don't know what the game in question was. It might have been Star. I think it was Star Wars actually. And a guy replied saying, "Yeah, it's weird how it can be different from one person to the other." Uh, I played cyberpunk at launch on a ps4 slim and had no bugs and i was like fucking hell i hope that guy bought a lottery ticket that night because <laughs> that's impressive yeah yeah uh man said i haven't bought a game day one since assassin's creed 3 most triple a games are broken day one and also way overpriced at 70 dollars here in uh, euro sorry here in ireland Mm, yeah, to be fair, Assassin's Creed 3 would put you off buying a game day <laughs> one again. That was not their best release. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. See, if you... It's it's difficult, right? Obviously, we buy a lot of games day one. We get a lot of codes day one. Like, it's beneficial for us to be able to talk about games at release because that's what people want to hear about. People yeah. don't want to hear me talk about games for two years ago. I do, because I'll do whatever the fuck I want. But in general terms, I try to keep yeah. up with the trends. I try to be informative for people to varying levels of success. And so I do feel that... Like, I don't know, if we don't get a code for a big game and it is one I'm interested in, I will then buy it day one. But if I wasn't in this position, I think I would wait at this point. Mm. You lose nothing by doing it. As long as you're okay with not being, I don't know, as long as you can avoid the FOMO of not having the game that everyone else is talking about on Twitter or on Facebook or Reddit. As long as you don't mind that, then there's no other downside to it. Like, within two months, almost any game that's not affiliated with Nintendo will get a strong discount. Well, yeah, I mean, Yoon's comment, he said, one benefit of being five plus years behind the curve is when I eventually get around to playing games that have been out for long enough, um, they've been fixed with updates and are often cheaper. Also means I don't buy a game which is full of promise and then falls flat in its face day one. Yeah, I mean, Yoon's loving life. Like... That's ideal. Like, you wait until a game... That's the thing. Like, this happened to me with Horizon Forbidden West, right? I did not have 
a great it's a great game, but I did not have a fully great experience with that on PlayStation Five. Like the game was crashing, popping, running at two frames a second at times. Sometimes it ran great, but other times it didn't. Yeah, because some bugs you're like, oh look, that's funny. He's doing something that he shouldn't. You know, your character's doing something he shouldn't be doing. But then there are significant bugs that are really that really do detract from the gameplay Mm. and your experience. So I think when that occurs, it is more impactful. Yeah, definitely. Like, so I had that experience and. I pushed through it and I enjoyed it. Great game, but I'd be lying if I said it didn't hurt my experience. Mm. And it's frustrating finishing Forbidden West and then fucking two months later, they're like, oh, here's a 1440p patch. Here's, like, they brought out mm. about two different quality modes. And you're like, hi, cheers. What, what fucking use is that to me now? Like, and it, it makes you almost go, I should have fucking waited. Mm. And there's there's so many games that do that. They're like, oh, we'll bring... Like, a, a big thing in the moment, like, digital photography, gaming photography is getting much bigger. And so many games launch without a photo mode, but then they add it in, like, two months later. And you're like, how hard is it to have a photo mode there day one? Like, when your most hardcore audience base wants to use it. I get that they're maybe like, oh, I'll get people back again. But I'm sorry, like, these days there's too much stuff coming out. Like, you need this stuff, like, they're adding, oh, we've now got a new game plus mode six months after launch. Fuck off. This stuff needs to be there at launch for me. Like, yeah, so what other writings have we got? Um, Derek said people need to stop pre-ordering nothing will change until it hits their bottom line yes and no if you don't have the pre-orders then I don't know you don't know the numbers and so the thing is people get caught up in excitement people aren't going to stop pre-ordering I agree with him he is right like vote with your wallet and just go I'm not fucking pre-ordering you need to prove to me that this game is worth my money and until it's been proved until the word of mouth is there then i'm not but at the same point somebody has to otherwise the word of mouth won't be there yeah imagine like i don't know fucking uncharted 5 launches and every single person's like that i'm gonna wait and see what somebody else thinks <laughs> <laughs> naughty dog like that no fuckers bought this game <laughs> do you know what i mean so there needs to be the day winners there needs they need to be there so that they can spread the word of mouth but but yeah, the, the sentiment, he's right with sentiment. Like, people need to start voting with their wallets. Like, if, if a game, like, if a company put out a game and it's an absolute shit show day one, like, you're, a f- I'm sorry, but you're a fucking idiot if you pre order the next game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's another comment said we should institute consumer test phases that happen one month before launches so they can report or stall projects that fall behind performance standards. And yeah, I just kind of think, like, I don't know, as a consumer, I think we have to be vocal about the concerns and, and feedback to the companies in order to encourage better practices in the industry. Do you know what I mean? If we got all these bugs and didn't shout about it and complain about it, then nothing would happen. Yeah. I've I've been thinking about this a lot the last sort of week or so, just with Star Wars, with Redfall. And... 
I think I haven't quite finalised how I'm going to do it, but on the website, I'm going to implement a performance score. Okay. I think that's the way to go. Just so that it gives people an idea of what they're getting themselves into. Now, obviously, it'll be subjective because the performance that I have might not be the performance that someone else has. We yeah. play on different devices. We just have different experiences. But just know that I play a, a played-on version yeah, of blah, you blah, say, blah, I on played device. On, blah, I, blah. I played on yeah. this. This was my experience. And I scored out a 10. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's easy to say, well, you should just score it accordingly to that. But I think with Redfall and... Star Wars, like, by no means am I saying that their bugs are even because they're completely different, mm-hmm. right? And I think Redfall's definitely more busted than Jedi Survivor, but it definitely seems that for a lot of people that were reviewing Star Wars, they were like, right, this game has issues, but I really like the game, and so it doesn't necessarily affect my enjoyment. Still a nine out of ten. Whereas I think a lot of people with Redfall were like, even more severe bugs, and I'm not really a massive fan of this game, so the bugs then almost compound themselves. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think that there is a a set, like, I don't know, I don't think anyone has a thing where, all right, this game was really good, it was a 9 out of 10, but there was some bugs, and I take one point off for bugs. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's different from game to game. Yeah. And so I think a way to do it is to like be like, I don't know, say... Score it on gameplay out of 10, score it on performance out of 10, score it on graphics out of 10, and then I, I add them all up. Like... Well, that's the thing. A lot of them do that, but when it adds up, it doesn't... I, I don't like the way they add. So I think, like I say, I haven't completely sort of worked out in my mind how I'm going to do it but I think it will just be our usual 20 point scoring system so it's 1 to 10 with 0.5s in between but then I think just below it there will also be a performance score because yeah there might be a game that I'm like that's a fucking 9 out of 10 yes it did have performance issues but the game was so good it didn't bother me Mm -hmm. But then that way I can still give the I can still say, look, the performance was probably a six, but the game was so good it didn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. But at least then people would know. Yeah. And I think I just I think we're at that point where we need to be more transparent about the performance of games. And so yeah, I'm I'm still trying to formulate it in my mind, but that is something that's gonna come to the website within the next month or so. Yeah. If you have any further suggestions on that, feel free to write in, because we love that sort of stuff. I'll probably ignore it, but I go for it. Yeah. Um okay, let's just move on to the Redfall and Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Shit show. It's not the word I was gonna use, but okay. Uh, so Redfall, yes, it's the new vampire lure shooter from Arcane. It's on Xbox Game Pass and has received very mixed reviews. Currently sitting at a 64 on Metacritic for the Xbox Series X version. Um, some critics have called it generic and shallow, marking it as one of the lowest AAA releases of 2023 alongside Forspoken and Lightfall Expansion of Destiny 2. Craig, what are your initial impressions? If you've not already hinted at them. <laughs> Funnily enough, I mean... I don't know. I've sort of dropped some some hints so far, but 
I think I'm actually maybe a little bit higher. Well, no, no, there there was a there was a very curious nine out of ten review score uh, when the embargo lifted this morning. Uh, that was, yeah, that was. I don't know. I'd, I'd like to talk to that guy or girl um, because that was a curious one. But um, I don't hate it. So going in, I'm a big fan of Arcane. I really enjoy their games. Now, they have two studios. There's Arcane, Arcane Leon and Arcane Austin. Arcane Leon make the games that I really like. They made like Dishonored 2. They made Deathloop. Uh, Arcane Austin made Prey. And they made this. Now, but there is a lot of crossover from what I understand between the teams. Okay. So you still do get the sort of same DNA throughout the games. And for most people, like people in reviews today were like, I can't believe the people that made Deathloop made this. So there is a lot of crossover. Um, I'm a massive fan of the studio. Art Dishonored is one of my favourite game series ever. Loved Deathloop, absolutely loved it. I think I gave it a 10 out of 10. I was looking forward to this just because of the studio. I do not like co-op games. As soon as they say, up to four player co-op, I'm like, fucking hell, here we go. You can play it alone, aye, can you? Right, I'll check it out. So we got the code through on Thursday. I was dubious whether we would end up getting a code because I had feared they would only be sending out review codes for PC because of the whole controversy that on console it was only going to be locked to 30 frames a second. Yeah. Little did we know that apparently it actually runs better on console than it does on PC. On PC it's all over the place. The game itself is a disappointment based on the studio's previous, their, their work to date. It's, it's a definite disappointment. It's very buggy. I showed you, I mean, you can go into our Twitter and you'll see numerous examples. Those textures just not loading in for 20 to 30 seconds after you're staring at it. Those vampires that are completely non-responsive that you can just walk through. They're not, you, you can't even shoot them. They're just stuck in the world. Speaking of stuck in the world, those vampires that are stuck in the floor. And so they just... <laughs> You can only see half their body and they just run in place and you can't kill them. There are the enemy, the human AI, and it's, so there's human characters and the, the enemy AI of them is abysmal. Sometimes, occasionally it's okay, but other times you can literally shoot one guy in the face and the other guy who's looking straight at him doesn't even react at all. Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of the player feedback that I've seen so far anyway says, you know, dissatisfaction with the graphical quality of the game, complaints regarding AI, like you mentioned, empty world, lack of matchmaking for co-op gameplay. Have you tried any co-op? No. No, I did consider it, but the people that I would have had to co-op with pre-release... I did not want to entertain. Okay. 
I consider myself on the outskirts of the games review industry and I spend most of my time taking the piss out of these people so I don't particularly want to mingle with them and I don't like co-op so my time I've spent 18 hours with it so far my time has been single player Mm -hmm. Um, and do you think that that like I don't know in terms of the difficulty level I guess like do you think that has been scaled because you are playing by yourself it's hard to say so that was one thing that I wasn't sure about and when reviews came out I don't think anyone knows because one of the other complaints was that the balancing is all over the place so one minute it's like one enemy here one enemy there and then the next minute you can be swarmed by 15 enemies and there's nothing you can do and I certainly have experienced that as well um there's so yes because it's hard to know like is that meant to happen given everything else that's it so there's these things called nests and so i don't know if you'll remember this but like back in grand theft auto san andreas there was a mechanic they introduced which sounded quite cool but became really fucking irritating that you would take over areas but then all of a sudden there'd be like a gang trying oh, to take yeah. back an area yeah. and you'd be away trying to do a mission and some fucking dick would have kicked off on the other side of the map and you're like, oh, I need to travel all the way back here and reclaim this area. Mm. Fucking hell. Mm. That's what this is. So there's nests that appear on the map and if you don't deal with them, the area around them gets bigger and bigger. It's like a circle life is like a circle Mm -hmm. and just keeps getting bigger and so you do have you can't just ignore them you have to go and take them out and what this sort of boils down to is you get to the area and when you enter the circle all the vampires within that are about four times stronger annoyingly strong and so you have to find a door and you go into it and it takes you into a sort of parallel universe and inside there it's a quite a linear area that you just you're straight ahead and you have to take out all the enemies smash a heart get some loot and get out and the first two or three of them i did i was like that's not too bad not too hard but then at one point like i came forward and you can't stealth it because it's quite linear so see this vampire headshot him and all of a sudden about 15 of them appeared and there was nothing i could do and i'm like what the like at, at that point i was like is this just not doable unless I've got three pals? Because it would take four of us right now to be trying to fend these people off. Yeah. Like the vampires, you, you you do have a steak launcher which can take some of them out in one shot. But essentially with any other gun, you shoot them until their, their health comes down and then you have to melee them with a steak to kill them. And so it's not a small task taking one out and if you've got 10 of them around you and they're just attacking you you die quickly mm-hmm. like you lose health at an alarming rate and the health packs like in a lot of games like a health pack regenerates your whole health it takes four health packs to get your health from zero back up and you can only hold five so you can die pretty quickly if things go pear shaped and so the nests are a bit annoying and so that did give me pause and make me wonder like is this game I don't know I always wonder with these things are they trying to push you towards co-op like if you've designed a co-op game and you've said that but you can play it single player surely 
you would be like, aye, but let's try and ease you over. Just just get a couple of your pals. Come on. Let's get these monthly active users up. Come on, just a couple more pals. Play the game. Um, and so I think there is a little bit of that. But on the positive side, the world... Like I've seen... You mentioned it at the top, saying the world's empty. I don't think it's empty. I actually quite like the world. There is large areas without enemies, but the exploration I quite enjoy. Like, I quite enjoy breaking into houses and then you're going through and you're looting and trying to, oh, there's a fucking purple gun. Like, I mean, there's a gold gun. Like, I, I don't know. I've, I, I'm not saying it's not basic and it's way scaled down from anything Arcane's ever done. But I was enjoying myself. But you're just constantly pulled out of it with the bugs. Mm. Constantly. Like, it's one of the most buggy games I've ever played. There's absolutely no way that anyone with a straight face signed off on this and said, aye, good to go. There's no way that a conversation was not had where Arcane said, this isn't ready, and Microsoft said, we cannot delay another game yeah. out of this 12-month window. Yeah. We realise it's us that put ourselves in this situation, but something has to come out. Mm. And yeah. I think I think Redfall's the, the, the sort of the scapegoat of that, aye. Okay. Star Wars, Jedi Survivor. Yes. So, as I said, I've wanted to play more of this game than I have because, despite not being the biggest Star Wars guy, it's a fucking brilliant game. I loved Fallen Order. This is, so far, even better. Yeah, so by all accounts, this sort of takes the best elements of that. Yeah, thing. yeah, just yeah. moves on. It's just, it's really, really good. It's really good. I, I just, the combat's so fluent. Like, it essentially is... I've seen it sort of likened to Tomb Raider in space. And yeah, I can see that, but it's better. Like, the combat is way better than Tomb Raider has ever been. <laughs> like, the way you can, like, parry and, like, counter-attack. It's just, the, the lightsaber is a joy to use. Really fun. Uh, the movement's really good. The world's really cool. The characters are good. The voice acting's good. It's... It's just a really, really good game. Like like I say, I've only put an hour into it so far and that's because that released on Friday um, and I'm sort of playing that, quote-unquote, for fun, mm-hmm. whereas Redfall had an embargo. I was trying to get as much played as possible so that I could like have as coherent, I thought, <laughs> like a, mm-hmm. a, a sort of preview of it as possible. Yeah. Um, and so I haven't played much of Jedi Survivor yet, but I hope to get into it more this week because despite the, the clear performance issues, um, I would recommend it. I think it's a really, really good game. We got a few write-ins about it, did we? Yep, so Flying Tackle said, this Jedi Survivor disc tobacco has really pissed me off. One, no way the game needs to be that size, given the bugs, maybe it should have been better optimised, question mark. And two, surely you just put the thing onto discs. It's not like it hasn't happened in every other generation. Yeah, so uh, that's kind of... It's interesting, like, obviously, the game is quite buggy. 
and there was all this talk like a couple of weeks ago about how it's 150 gig like there's absolutely no reason for the game to be that size like it clearly should have been optimized better it should have been compressed and maybe that is a sort of a sort of victim of this three-year turnaround like maybe it did perhaps need more time i mean it did get a delay it was delayed for a month it was supposed to come out a month ago but that obviously wasn't necessarily enough i think to get the the most to get most of the bugs away um and yeah it's interesting what he says there about the the discs i don't know why that never clicked with me last week like we're talking about how the game will not be playable out of the box like you put the disc in it'll install part of the game and then you have to download the rest of it why didn't they just put two discs i never even thought of that that's always happened you always like i don't know even playstation 4 there was some i mean i didn't buy this in the playstation 4 but there was some games that came with two discs i'm sure then there certainly was in playstation 3 go all the way back to like remember in playstation 1 you used to get the big fucking meaty boxes mm. So yeah, I don't know. Because it's not as if the price of Blu-ray is that high, so it wouldn't have cost that much, but I think they just think they can get away with it and digital's the future, but yeah, for game preservation, I can totally understand why people are pissed off about not being, having the full game in the box. Yeah. Um, Ali also said, reading articles from Respawn boasting about how they managed to make Jedi Survivor in three years and then watching the game have an epileptic FPS fit and saying to myself, I well done. <laughs> Ah, he's put that better. He's put that better than we did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'd have been very careful doing an interview, boasting about the turnaround time <laughs> when we Jimmy's sitting on his PC and he's forty ninety going, "Fuck sake, this thing doesn't work." But it's uh, certainly a trend with uh, PC games at the moment not running particularly well, and we we might have an article on that soon. Uh, other things that I have played a little bit of is The Last Case of Benedict Fox. I've only had time to maybe play an hour, got through, I think it was the first boss, maybe it was a mini boss, um, Big Fish. And so far, enjoying it. I really like the art style, combat's fun. I've heard the combat can get quite in depth as you get further in, and so I'm looking forward to seeing that. Interestingly, there's not many review scores, so we got a code in about 24 hours before release. And at the time, I was like, did they forget to send it to us? Has this been sent to other people earlier? Like, what's what's the deal here? But from talking to a few other people, the codes just came in late. And so because the codes came in so late it almost and it's on Game Pass, it seems like people just aren't really bothered to review it like i think even at the moment there's almost no reviews for it and i saw maybe jess Corden saying something like i mean with the game being on game pass and the code coming in so late there's almost no advantage to us reviewing this which is probably a sad reality mm. uh, especially for whoever's got the the game on their fantasy critically <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I did see recently, uh, I think it was yesterday, someone posting about there's, there's some sort of bug that maybe erases part of your save 
Um, I haven't obviously played enough to come across that, but it's maybe worth looking out for because I think a few people have had that issue where they've lost quite a, a chunk of progress. And so, yeah, be a bit careful with that. But so far, I think it's pretty good. Pretty good and enjoying it. I've uh, played a little bit more Dead Island 2. I still really like this game. We're talking about buggy games. Like, if I had to choose five games, at the beginning of 2023, if I had to choose five games that were coming out this year that I thought had the chance to be a buggy mess, that would have been number one or two. Yeah. And fair fucks, because the thing, it just it just works as intended, and it just runs really, really well. I'm so impressed with Dan Buster. I saw a thing saying that they... So this game had been passed around from studio to studio, and it's been in development since, I think, 2013. And... I thought it had just been passed around like a joint at a party. But apparently when Dan Buster took the, the project over, they restarted it from scratch. And so they've actually made this game pretty quickly. Mm. Um, and maybe that is why you've got the sort of smaller maps and stuff like that. And it's not necessarily the longest of games, but it's a good, tight experience. And it's, it's one of the surprises of the year so far. I highly recommend checking it out. I really, really like it. Hoping to finish that up this week and get the review live. And the last thing was just another level of Dead to Rights Retribution on PlayStation 3. Still enjoying it. You can control a dog and rip enemies' nuts off. Nice. Who, who doesn't want to do that? Nice. Well, not particularly me. Yeah. <laughs> don't knock it till you try it. It's good. I mean, don't try it on me. That'd be horrendous. But, <laughs> but how has your gaming week? I've completed two games. Ooh. I say completed Zelda in Breath of the Wild. You don't complete Zelda, Zelda completes you. <laughs> yeah, so I finished the main story quests, shall we say. Um, but yeah, I guess, I don't know. All four Divine Beasts. And Ganon, but right. trouble is, I fear that he's just about to come back and wreak havoc again in Tears of the Kingdom. So Has that been confirmed? What, the story? That he comes back. I, mm, or are folk just assuming? can't remember. I think there was mention of in the trailer. Right. That also, if you are excited for the game and don't want spoilers, I'd start thinking about putting stuff on because apparently there has been lots of leaks. Like, people have the game. Yeah. And, yeah. Avoid Reddit. Probably mute keywords on Twitter as well. I mean, that should just be life. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, obviously, like you mentioned earlier about... Um, reviewing and talking about games from ages ago what's kind of the point but equally i'm just going to share my thoughts on Zelda breath of the world now that i finished it oh no this is very timely yeah there's so many people going back and either playing this game again at the moment or if they didn't have a switch at the time they are now playing it to get ready for the new release yeah um, and so that, i'm very much in that camp obviously i've not had any prior zelda um experience so this was my first foray into it and to be honest i just I think it lives up to the hype that it's got as my, yeah. I don't know, main sort of outcome, I suppose. Um, I, I don't know, I, do, I have kind of kicked myself for thinking, why why did I not play this before? Why did I not entertain it and think that it wasn't going to be my cup of tea? Because I think what I would have done is obviously finished it prior to now and then potentially gone back to it at this point in time. So as much as I say I finished the main story quest, I'm probably, I'm not going to go for that sort of completionist... Um, level of play because I, I don't want to burn myself out 
prior to Tears of the Kingdom that's obviously coming so soon. So yeah, that's fair enough. I think. Um, but I think I probably would have done otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. If, if, if you didn't have it so soon, you would have kept going. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just love the sense of exploration and being able to kind of set my own pace, knowing that end goal right from the start and having the whole map available like was cool to me um and probably not many games i've played that have been like that right um i love being able to tackle the quests in whatever order i wanted to and then discovering just new areas at my own leisure wasn't a huge fan of the combat shrines and parks of shit at them but on the other hand, I loved all the kind of puzzles scattered around throughout the game. They're just, I don't know, they just break it up really nicely. And, yeah, just figuring out how to, like, solve the various puzzles was always just rewarding. Like, you get a little orb and then you can level up off the back of that. So I just find myself, like, really engrossed in those parts of the games. Uh, the game, sorry. Um, another aspect that I enjoyed was the ability to climb just about anything and everything. So it just made for some really cool moments and just allows you to just explore the game world in a way that it felt fresh and unique and that's me saying that five years after release Mm -hmm. it's a game that holds up yeah and of course i had my trusty horses dotty Mm -hmm. and bluebell obviously um did you just name them or do you name them in the game i named them in the game right yeah didn't know if this is like a mental note or something no um one should die but we'll not dwell on that um <laughs> so, uh, but yeah just bonding with your horses and just i don't know it's just so cute and just being able to take them on adventures with you and stuff yeah it's um but yeah i just all in really enjoyed my experience and i would re- recommend it to anyone that hasn't played it but obviously tears of the kingdom is coming out and it'll yeah. be interesting like I think obviously with other Zelda games previously, like there was there was nothing from what I understand. This again, never played a Zelda game, but from what I understand, outside of Tears of the Kingdom, they've always been like sort of isolated stories, and so there was no negative to you jumping straight into Breath of the Wild mm-hmm. when you hadn't played other Zelda games. Yeah. It was fine. Mm-hmm story told from start to finish but I don't think that's going to be the case with Tears of the Kingdom the impression I get is that if you, if Tears of the Kingdom was your first Zelda game, then you might be missing some lore from the previous game potentially, because it is set I think in the same place Yeah, I think there's going to be callbacks yeah. for the first time yeah potentially probably doable like I think the pro- maybe a recap thing or whatever but yeah I think you might be story wise you might possibly. be missing a few a few elements possibly yeah um, but yeah I suppose on a personal level as well like it's just it's been really nice playing alongside like our son because it's just been I don't know it's just like with a nine year old chatting about a game and bouncing off ideas and sharing experiences it's just yeah. it's been quite a nice kind of bonding experience for us I suppose it's been really weird for me so like at times like I've been sitting in the living room and Nathan will come down and he'll start talking to you about Zelda and the two you're talking back and forth and I don't think I've ever been in that position where I've been sitting in a room with two people talking about games and I've been like what the fuck are they on about <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like, like the two you're having a conversation, I'm like, 
I understand stuff too. Like, just no idea. But yeah, I don't think we said on the podcast yet, but he did walk up to me at one point because it's his first Zelda game as well. And obviously you had started it and you said to him, like, I think you'd really like this, Nathan. And usually that's enough to make him never touch a game I again. I know, he's not played Stray and it yeah. really upsets me because I know how much he would enjoy it. Yeah, but he just... It's now become a thing that, like, when he's like, oh, I don't know what to play. And I'm like, why do you play Stray? And he's like, no. <laughs> yeah, he will never play that game. He will be 40 years old and he'll be like, I'm not fucking playing it. <laughs> But um, I just, like, he walked up to me and just went, yeah, I think uh, Zelda's going to be my next gaming obsession. <laughs> I was like, who are you and who says that? Off you go. Mm-hmm. But he's right into it. He's so excited for the new one now as well. He's obviously defeated. Oh, yeah. What's he, his name? Ganon? Yeah, he accomplished it before I did, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. And gave me pointers at the end boss, so yeah. That's partly my fault because I feared that you saying for him to play Zelda that he might sort of rebel against that. But at the same point, I'm like, he's never played an open world game before. The, clo- the closest an open world game he's played is Pokemon and mm. Mario Odyssey. But I don't know, Zelda's more expansive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted him to play it because I thought he would really like it and it would also open him up to a whole new genre of games. And so I remember when he was first going to try it, I was like, oh, that's good. Because you know how you would always better at um, Cuphead than me? Well, you could do that with mum. Now, now you've got a chance to beat mum as well. Is that what you said to him? Aye. I was, I was reverse psychology. <laughs> <laughs> so that he would he would stick at it. Because I really felt like it would be something that he'd get into. And I'm so glad he has. Because it's just, yeah, he's, he's I don't know, he's just, even just now, like, even though Tears of the Kingdom obviously is, like, what, 10 days away at this point, he is still... Mm trying to mop up the 100%. Yeah. But he's got that staying power where he won't burn out. No. Like, he'll finish Tears of the Kingdom and then he'll start Breath of the Wild again. Yeah, probably. Aye. That's the kind of good shit he does. Um, yeah, and I've also, as mentioned at the beginning, finished Tin Hearts, um, which is a nice little puzzle game, which is both challenging and rewarding. Um, nice little graphics, really good soundtrack. Um, there is a review live on the website, so you can go check that out. Yeah, uh, so it's out on Switch at the moment and it's coming to Xbox and PlayStation soon. And PSVR 2, I believe. Yeah, I I just twigged about that. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should take a look at it on PSVR. Yeah, I would like to because I think one of my sort of critiques with it was just that the movement a little bit at times like was a bit fiddly. Right. Um. So I'd be interested to see actually if PSVR 2 helps or hinders that even further. Um, yeah. yeah. Because we've uh, played other games where you have to pick up and move objects and it's been quite difficult. So yeah, I would, I would be interested to see how that works in VR. Um, yeah, we'll maybe, we'll maybe do that then. Because uh, we'd, we'd, so we'd been offered it on PlayStation as well, but I didn't really see the the advantage since we'd reviewed it on the Switch, but I wasn't really thinking that obviously VR does add a new element to mm-hmm. it, so it would be worthwhile to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will take a look at that then. And I think it's the middle of the month it's out on, on the PlayStation May and Xbox. The 16th. 16th, yeah. yeah. Yep. 
but yeah, check out Jess's review. Very, very well written. Thanks. Full stops and all sorts. It's been my first one in a while. So. It has been a wee while. <laughs> I see, to be fair, I haven't had one up in a while. That's why I need to get Dead Island finished and get the review up. Anyhow, let's move on to this week's news. News, news. I was believing the news. We are bringing you the news. With your digging team. I was First up, fans have been eagerly waiting for any information about AEW's Fight Forever release and it looks like we might finally have some good news. So this was originally set to release in 2022 but it's been delayed due to various hiccups but now, according to Insider Gaming, all of the promotional material for the game has been finished. Talent had already filmed material earlier this year and everything has now been edited and updated so... Could this just mean that the game's release is just around the corner? We'll have to wait and see, but it's definitely an exciting development for fans of AEW and wrestling games in general, which is not me. But it is me. (laughs) Yeah, this is going to be like a spiritual successor to the Nintendo 64, uh, WWF and WCW games, which just puts a smile on any retro wrestling game fan's face. Like... I'm really looking forward to this. I don't think it's going to be a 9 out of 10 or anything like that. I think it's going to be a little bit janky. I think it's going to be a little bit... I don't know. Like People give the WWE 2K games a hard time, but they have very impressive production values, and I don't think this will come close to that. And I think there's a lot of people in reviews that will be like, cheap imitator like I don't know but in terms of gameplay I think it could nail it Mm. and I'm very excited for it I don't think it'll be I know they're saying like inside a game they're saying they think it could be close I still think we're a couple of months away I think maybe maybe August Total guess, but I, I don't know. Have they given a window? No, they right. keep, they're keep they keeping it very close to their chest, mm-hmm. which is strange. I don't know why they can't just say something, but but yeah, it seems to be... Uh, they, just, they just don't want to say. Mm-hmm. Tony Khan, the guy that owns the uh, promotion, like he's been asked numerous times, and he's a, he's a gamer himself, like, and he just refuses to give it in a way. But I, I, I think people are sort of hoping maybe in the next month or two, I think August. But we'll see. Dredge, which is one of Craig's favourites and a sort of breakout hit of this year, has announced its 2023 roadmap, promising even more content for players to enjoy throughout the year. So the first free update is dropping later this month with new map markers to help players identify, quote, dangers, shipwrecks, mysteries and more. And along fucking done with that at launch. <laughs> alongside this update will include the usual bug fixes and balance changes. And then in Q2, the second update will bring new modes to the game, including a passive mode for those looking for a more relaxed fishing experience and a photo mode that comes with a new character to help players find some cool wildlife to take pictures of. And the third free update coming in Q3 adds boat paints and flag customization options for players to personalise their vessel. And finally, the last update of 2023 will be a paid expansion that features the mysterious Iron Haven Corporation. I gather this all means stuff to you. It does. It does. I mean, that's cool. You can, like, make your boat look cool and photo mode, which she said. Why did people not put this in from the start? Yeah. Also cool feature. So, yeah. 
a lot of that is stuff that I'm like, that was been cool at the time. I give them a bit more of a pass because they're such a small studio. Yeah. It's their first game. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to get all this stuff in. And it, I'm just really happy that there's a content roadmap. Like, it, it seemed like a game that would come out and it'd be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to hear that there's new stuff coming to the game and I'm all... I'm all in on a page. Like, I usually avoid expansions and DLC, but I feel like with Dredge, the gameplay, it's not something that you need to, I don't know, be in the zone with. It's very pick up and play. So you should be able to just hop back in. Mm. Um, I'll definitely, I'll definitely be checking that out. And a photo mode's cool. Again, should be there at launch, but like the game has quite a simple art style but it's also beautiful and i spent quite a bit of time in the game trying to get nice shots which was difficult with the ui in the way and so with a, a photo mode it could be really cool microsoft is most definitely trying to grow its game pass service which was recently revealed to have contributed to the company's three percent growth in content and services revenue with their new friend referral program Um, So current Xbox Game Pass Ultimate and PC Game Pass subscribers can gift up to five 14-day PC Game Pass trials to their friends who don't use the service. It's interesting they're really, really trying to grow PC Game Pass. Mm -hmm. And this is a clever way of doing it. Like, very interesting that you can gift them PC Game Pass. Like... Xbox are, are they seem to think they've hit a ceiling with subscribers on console now if you get a steady stream of exclusives you put them out more people buy consoles then you haven't hit a ceiling okay. you've, hit, you've hit a ceiling because you've stopped selling a lot of consoles so get the, the software under control and then you will continue to grow that but for now I think they look at it and they go Right, most people who own an Xbox have Game Pass, but we've got X amount of gamers on PC that have never touched a thing, and they're potential new subscribers. And so it makes sense. Yeah, You can hopefully try and sort of reel a few fish in. Dredge style. Um... So in news that will excite a few listeners of the podcast, Vampire Survivors has been turned into a TV series. So it's been a massive hit ever since it launched in early access for PC in late 2021. And now the game is taking it up a notch with the announcement of an animated TV series. The developers behind the game have partnered up with new media company Story Kitchen to create the series, which will be shopped around to animated TV network buyers. The game's founder... Luca Galanti said that the most important thing in Vampire Survivors is the story. So it's a dream come true to see it come to life as an animated TV show. Sorry, but there's a story? <laughs> so I can only assume that that guy's done a funny right, there. Okay. Because okay. Uh, friend of the show, listener of the show, Dr. John Castles, uh, recently got the entire 1,000... 440 gamer score well done in vampire survivors the boy doesn't achievement off the boy doesn't achievement achievement often but when he does he goes hard (laughs) and so 
I text him earlier saying, does Vampire Survivors have a story? Because I did play the game yeah. and I got quite hooked on it. Yeah, but I played it for a bit too. I got hooked on it for two or three days and then bounced mm. because I was like, there's a rabbit hole here and I can't afford to go down it. And so I text him saying, does this, does this game have a story? He didn't know about the show at the time and he just wrote back, no, it certainly does not. So... And just for yeah. reference, he's played five days and 12 hours worth of the game. Five days and 12 hours. That's a shift. That yeah. is a shift and a half. So, and if, yeah, so I don't... I, I mean, so if he's not found a story, there's probably not one to be found. <laughs> it's just a case of trying to capitalise on a name. I mean, we're going to come on to Twisted Metal. It never particularly had a story either. It's about to get a show on Peacock. Gaming media whether it be tv shows or films is very in right now thanks to us and (laughs) and games that sort of hit the sort of water cooler talk like they're going to get snapped up and vampire survivors has done that it's huge Mm, on mobile as well i believe it was developed i think that lucas guy like luca he's the sole developer there's one person that made this he must be fucking loving life i mean the game's only like four quid or something like that but it sold a lot he must have got a fucking big payout from microsoft to go on game pass He's released those DLCs and they're only £2, but with the player base that thing's yeah. got, that's a lot of money. And then how much money has he just been gave been given to sell the rights over for a TV show? Mm. Like, this guy must be absolutely loving it. Yeah. We'll check it out when it comes out. Super Mega Baseball 4 has been announced for a June 2nd release. Developer Metalhead Studio also revealed that the game will feature over 200 legends, including the likes of Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron and David Ortiz. Pre-orders are live now with an expanded ballpark edition featuring three days early access and a trio of additional stadiums should you wish to try before you buy. A 10-hour trial will be available on EA Play from May the 30th. I'm really excited about this. It's so easy to just be like, it's baseball. But the Super Mega Baseball series is really fun. So the the graphics are a little bit cartoony. It's like caricatures. Um, But the gameplay is just, it's so engaging. It's so much fun. It takes the monotony. I mean, I don't like baseball watching it. It just Mm. bores me to tears. But the actual gameplay in this is like non-stop and they play shorter games i think you can play a full game if you want but the shorter quicker games and yeah they just they absolutely nailed the mechanics like in super mega baseball 3 i created a team with like 12 of us and like the the edit mode is pretty cool so like i don't know you could look and go ah that's definitely jess and like oh that's definitely Terry, or that's definitely, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, really cool. And they're such fun games. I actually forgot that this was now under the EA banner, but um, it's good to see that it's continued. I didn't even know they were making a fourth game. And yeah, cool that people will get a 10 hour trial because definitely check it out. That trial will be in Game Pass as well. So make sure you check it out. Do not be put off just if you're not a baseball fan. This is it's a really good game. 
And if you are a PlayStation user, the PlayStation Plus collection will be no more as of May 9th. So this is your final chance to redeem the list of PS4 games. If you do add them to your library before the cutoff, you will retain access to them as long as you have an active PlayStation Plus subscription. Yeah, so when the PlayStation 5 came out, they started this PlayStation Plus collection and it was just sort of, it was for new, it was for anyone... I suppose it was for people upgrading as well, but if you were moving to PlayStation 5, say from Xbox, or if it was your first console, here is a list of games that were some of the highest rated of the last generation, and you can add them to your console. And so they have decided now to get rid of this, but it is still there at the moment, and if you add these games to your library, even once this disappears, you will still have them as long as you're a PlayStation Plus subscriber. I'm not going to go through them all, but you do have the likes of Days Gone, Detroit Become Human, Fallout 4, God of War, Ratchet and Clank, Resident Evil 7, Until Dawn, Uncharted 4, Bloodborne, Batman Arkham Knight. There's some really good games in there. And so it's worth just going into the store, PlayStation Plus collection, and just adding them all to your library. You don't need to download them, just add them to your library, and then you've got them. Good shout. Um, you mentioned Twisted Metal's television adaptation. It now has a start date. So we're told it'll begin streaming on Peacock in the US from the 27th of July this year. We've seen the trailer and basically learned nothing. Yeah, it's almost incredible that they managed to put a trailer and show so little. Mm. I, like, I don't know what I expected, but it was more <laughs> like you had the boy from the night before and he sort of looks out a car that's got a gun on it and then he drives away and then that was pretty much it i think you, you saw a sweet tooth vehicle i think you bet you saw a little bit of sweet tooth i can't even remember now and then that was it the whole thing was like 42 seconds or something like that hopefully we get another trailer before this comes out it's not too long um, but yeah I, I, I think this might be good the writers are the guy from Deadpool and Zombieland two funny films two quality writers so that gives me a bit of hope this will be good and the cast's good you've got Rosa from Brooklyn Nine-Nine you've got I can't even know what is the guy's name. The guy from the night before, can't remember his name now. But it's it's a good cast, and I I do think it might be quite decent. Again, Twisted Metal's never had a story, so they're gonna have to invent something. But maybe that's a good thing yeah, because if you've they've got, got scope to kind of yeah, you've got a world, but it's never had a story really. So. You've got talented writers that can go in and create something with what's in front of them. It's almost like a blank canvas for them. Um, and it's interesting as well, there's supposed to be a game coming. It's been talked about for a while, but it's never been announced. Apparently at first, Lucid Games were making it. That's the team that made Destruction All-Stars. And now apparently it's been moved over to uh, Fire Sprite, who just put out... Uh, the Horizon VR game and so I can see that getting announced soon 
I do think there's going to be a PlayStation conference in the next month. I think it will be before Xbox's showcase. And it would make sense they would announce it then with the news of the show coming soon. But yeah, just interesting that they they moved the game away from Lucid Games because that Destruction All-Stars was not a bad game. It didn't gain any traction, but it essentially was a twisted metal game. Like I don't know why at the time Sony didn't go, going to just reskin that with Twisted Metal mm. and put that out because the stuff that you, the avatars that you've got, nobody's going to give a fuck about. <laughs> but hey-ho. Yes. Um, VR Skater will grind PSVR 2 from 21st of June this year. The skateboarding simulation which sees you execute tricks by manipulating your virtual board using your hands promises the most authentic, challenging and immersive skating game ever. I'm not trying to be funny. Right? <laughs> I know where you're going with this. But... I've got a really difficult time with a sentence that says most authentic skating experience ever followed by using your hands. Yeah. So you control the skateboard with your hands, which fair enough, it's VR, so you're going to have to use your hands because they're not going to tell you to put the thing in your feet because that would be dangerous. Yeah. So that's fair enough. That has to happen that way. But just by that process, it's all of a sudden not very authentic. No, because that is not how you ride a skateboard. It's absolutely not how you ride a skateboard. You use your hands for balance, so maybe it could sort of look like you're on a skateboard. But, yeah, bit of a strange one. Mm -hmm. Although, what I would say is, there's been previews of this game, and it's meant to be really fun. Authentic? No buying it. Fun? (laughs) Aye. Maybe. And last bit of news this week, CG, CD Project Red had already confirmed that it will be lifting the lid on Phantom Liberty in June. The anticipated expansion for Cyberpunk 2077 has only received a couple of short trailers up till this point, but it sounds like we're going to be getting a massive bit of information dump when summer rolls around. So the developer has confirmed that the Phantom Liberty will be at Summer Game Fest and it'll even be playable at the event. As such, we should be getting plenty of gameplay impressions from press and content creators. I keep forgetting this is coming. And I'm so excited about it. It looks fucking brilliant. It looks really good. I really like Idris Elba as well. Like, him in it. Yeah. I'm really excited for this. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a banger. Just don't be buggy. Yeah. We've I think they've learned a... their lesson, surely. You'd like to think so. like, And I feel like they know they need to prove themselves and that's why they're going to be showing it off at Summer Game Fest. Mm. Like They're talking about people are going to be able to get hands-on. Mm. They're talking about doing community events and stuff like that. Like They're wanting this in people's hands and I think it's because they know that they need to rebuild trust. Mm. But I think this is going to be pretty big. Like, the cyberpunk TV show, the anime oh, yeah. uh, on Netflix, did really, really well. Ended up boosting sales back of cyberpunk 2077. And then now you've got this coming. It seems like this is a side story as well. 
so the likes of yourself like you started cyberpunk i think you put about 10 15 hours into yeah, it but you never yeah, finished it yeah. but it is quite a big undertaking it's a big game this as an expansion will be five ten hours and so maybe that's when that's, you jump in yeah. yeah and i think it will be enough of a side story that you can just jump in and enjoy this as a sort of side piece like you won't need to know everything that went on in the main game uh i think it's gonna be very appealing to people i hope it makes this year really do if it did if, it, if this got a date it would be my most anticipated piece of gaming content this year bring it on well, that is your lot for this week. Um, we have pushed back the movie review since Andy's not here. Um, so yeah, Andy picked a film and then fucked off. Yeah, so we'll follow up on that one next week. It was Tango and Cash. Um, yeah, we'll bring that to you next week. And then the week after that, it's going to be Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, indeed. Um, but in the meantime, as always, you can head to puredeadgaming.com for anything else, written reviews. We're going to hopefully push some more video content out to you, maybe some live streams and... The not-too-distant future, which will be good. I put a video live today. Oh, well, very good. There you go. And by the time this goes up, there'll be two. Oh, my goodness me. Spoiling news. Indeed. Indeed. Um, but, yeah, until then, we shall see you next week. Get fucked. Goodbye.